It's something for nothing, the Rush Fancast. Jerry and Steve with you. Jerry, I'm very excited today because we are traveling. You know where we're going? I believe we are heading to Frankfurt, Germany. We are to see Rush live, or at least to hear Rush live. To hear Rush live, yes. And we haven't heard Rush live in a while on a live album, and we're going to do that today. Yep, lots of fun. Very excited. You can find us on Twitter at Rush Fancast, Instagram, find us at The Rushcast. Email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. Lex, of course, did the bass intro and outro. He's amazing as usual. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. We are on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you get your emails is Jerry. I hope you got one for us today. (laughs) I do, of course, Steve. Of course. This is from Ron. What's up, Ron? He says, really loving the podcast, guys. I first saw Rush in April 1977 when I was 15 growing up in Maryland outside D.C. And some friends from high school dragged me to a Rush concert. As a kid, I played drums in a power trio with the same guys since elementary school. We played mostly Hendrix and Yes, and our guitarist was an absolute Hendrix prodigy. I thought I was a really decent drummer. These friends said I had to check out Rush's drummer. We got a ride to the show in Washington, D.C. at the smallish listener auditorium on the George Washington University campus in D.C. The warm-up band was Max Webster, and I was very impressed with their drummer. Then Rush came on, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was both hooked on Rush and very depressed as a drummer within seconds. Rush instantly became my favorite band, my own personal secret band that nobody had heard of. I dragged my band members to the next Rush concert, and they were hooked as well. Next couple of years were amazing because Rush played the small Warner Theater in D.C. the next two or three times in town. And me and my bandmates were able to get right up against the stage during the encores. Neil always threw his sticks out to the audience. And one time a stick hit my shoulder while I was busy fiddling with my camera and someone grabbed it. I like to think he was aiming for me. When Rush began getting airplay in 1980 with Spirit of Radio, I was screaming mad because I knew the days of the small venues were gone forever. And it's amazing to think how far my secret little band went. Ron. Awesome, Ron. Thanks so much for the email. Thanks so much for listening. Two things about that email, Jared, that jump out at me. First of all, young folks today can't have Rush as a secret band anymore. No, that's true. (laughs) That is very true. They can't see them either. The secret is out. Right. And secondly, I think we're two of the only fans that didn't get sticks from Neil. At least I feel that way. (laughs) It's true. But, you know, in the later tours... I don't think Neil could have thrown his sticks far enough to reach our seats, right? Because they were pretty, pretty far up there. But he could have sent a roadie up to our section with sticks if we had the right sign. And we didn't do it, Jer. I know. It would have to be like on a bed sheet, though, (laughs) so far away. Believe me, Rush fans did that. They had the bed sheets out. That's true. And, you know, I I just looked up the listener auditorium that Ron talked about. Yeah. He first saw the band. Seating capacity of 1,500. Wow. So 1977. How amazing is that be? That would have been great to see Rush in a small venue like that. So great. So speaking of Rush Live, Jerry, we're going to be talking about a live album today. R30, the 30th anniversary world tour, came out on DVD November 22nd, 2005. And with the deluxe edition DVD came two CDs. And Jerry, I have to confess that I don't think I've pulled these CDs out until about a week ago. Well, I also have the DVDs, and I when you told me there were CDs in them, I, I didn't even realize there were. I've never <laughs> listened to the CDs either. But I have watched the DVD numerous times, so I guess I didn't feel like I needed to listen to the CDs because it's the same audio, really. Yeah, that's true. I have watched it as well, so... But today we're going to be talking about the audio only, and you can also find this on Spotify now. That's where I listen to it this time instead of pulling out my CD. I don't even have a CD player really around. Yeah, neither do I. I have, I do have a CD-ROM in my computer, so I was able to rip the files off the CD and add them to this podcast so you can hear a portion of them. You, the listener, I mean. Yeah, not me. I understand. Not you. You don't need to hear it. (laughs) This show was recorded September 24th, 2004. Is it Fest Halley or Fest Hal, the name of the venue? Either one is a good guess. <laughs> Frankfurt, Germany is where this was recorded. 
The Blu-ray was released on December 8th, 2009. And as far as I can tell, the CD was not released at all as a standalone CD. You could only get it as part of the deluxe edition DVD. Now, I don't know if that's still in print. No, I don't know either. Maybe, maybe not. You're the one with the facts, Steve. (laughs) Well, the other fact I have is this is not a full show. So unlike Rush's later live albums, when you got a full show, this one, some tracks were omitted that were played on that night in Frankfurt. Right. And we will detail those as we go along. So shall we jump into it? We might as well. We're here. All right. Track one is the R30 Overture. I have another confession to make. Uh Uh-oh. This makes me a terrible Rush fan. (laughs) Why is that? We saw this show at Radio City Music Hall, August 18th, 2004. Mm -hmm. They played the same set. Yep. I don't remember them doing this R30 overture. Am I just old and stupid? Um, Well, I wouldn't say that exactly. (laughs) I do remember them playing the overture, though. And at the time... I was kind of, I, don't know, I wouldn't say annoyed, but like they played so many good songs, but only parts of them. I was so wanting to hear them play all of Anthem and Bastille Day and Hemispheres, but they only played pieces of them. So I was like happy that they were playing what they were playing, but still a little annoyed that I couldn't hear the whole song. Well, they had to get 30 years worth of music into a three hour show. And in order to do that, they melded these songs from the earlier records together in instrumental form. And it is amazing. It is amazing, right? Like we said before, they just have this incredible ability to come up with these medleys that just fit so perfectly together. I know. Everything just flows perfectly together. And the six songs that they meld together are Finding My Way, Anthem, Bastille Day, A Passage to Bangkok, Cygnus X1, and the hemisphere's prelude and it is dare i say fantastic it is it is fantastic but i you know i really wish they had played more of hemispheres but well i wish they played all these songs in their entirety but they just didn't have time to do it i know well they had some time to do it because they played covers because this is when this was after feedback was released so well we can get into that later but this was technically the feedback tour was it not It was, yes. So they had to play some songs from Feedback, Joe. They had to. I suppose. Sure. The other thing I noticed right off the bat is Getty, Alex, and Neil sound amazing from the get-go. I mean, the sound of this CD is amazing. It is. It sounds different from all the other live albums because that was Rush. Every tour, they sounded different, as we've talked about. So this one sounds different. It's really recorded very well. It's great. So we've talked about this before. The Live and YYZ has a moving pictures kind of feel to it, right? Snakes mm-hmm. and Arrows yeah. Live has a Snakes and Arrows feel to it. Grace Under Pressure Live has a Grace Under Pressure sort of tone to it. Does this have a feedback tone to it? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not sure what the feel is of this show. Are you so anti-feedback you can't even give an opinion on this? Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, I don't really know what the what the the tone of feedback is. So it doesn't stand out for me as, you know, like a a proper rush studio album. So I'm just biased in that way. Well, I would say it's got kind of a guitar driven tone to it and and I think feedback had that guitar driven tone to it, don't you think? Oh yeah, it was definitely a heavy album. I'll 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 give it that. All right, before we get too deep into feedback, let's check out track two, The Spirit of Radio. Yeah, 
me, this is the perfect segue from the R30 overture into this song. Yep. It's kind of like, okay, now the show begins, right? Yeah, exactly. It's killer. It's killer. No filler, all killer. And it's the first time we hear Getty, and he is in amazing voice on this night. I know. He really does sound great. I still remember, I think we mentioned this some other times, but I remember a couple of tours where he didn't sound that good to me. But he sounds great. Maybe he had bratwurst for dinner before the show, <laughs> and maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, maybe he had some good German beer. <laughs> but this is a great version of Spirit of Radio. As with every live album that we've talked about before, Alex is king of the mountain, right? Yeah. And as we mentioned before, I mean, I know this isn't the first song, but it's the first. It's the first actual song in the show. And you can't go wrong starting any show with the spirit of radio. I know. It just kicks everything off. But yeah, excellent solo. Just just tremendous. Incredible. Track three on the R30 Live CD is Force 10. Look out for the force without form. Look around at the sight and sound. Look in, look out, look around. I don't know why, but I always forget about Force 10 Live and how great it was. Yeah, it is great. This is a great and energetic version, right? Seems a little fast. And Getty's bass stands out for me here. It's so crisp and clear and bright. They really toned down the keyboard sound, right? Yes. From the studio recording. There's so much Alex in this song. He had so many textures. I know he does this all the time with the Hold Your Fire and the Power Windows songs live, but here it's so prominent. Yeah. This is a great version. Yeah. And as we mentioned on the Neil's lyrics episode we did, attack the day like birds of prey. Love <laughs> yeah. that line. I know. But Force 10 was always great live, and it's great here. Yeah. And, you know, this tour, they brought out a couple of oldies, right? Yeah, this was an oldie at that point. Yeah. Uh, and as Getty said later on, you know, they pulled one out of the vault. So I would consider this one kind of a an interesting song to play, like an, an unusual song for them to pull out and put in a concert at this time, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when Getty says, look into the eye of the storm, the guitar work, that Alex is doing there is not the same as on the record. And it's incredible. Really? Yeah, I agree. Check this out and listen to it closely. Track four on the R30 live CD, Jer, is anime. Speaking of listening to a song closely, this song you have to listen to very closely. Alex does some wacky stuff in this song. Yeah, it's so good. And Rush loved playing this song live. You know it because they, they pull it out a lot. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, Alex, he does this, Alex does this thing in the second half of um, the lines in the verses. You know, like with a double in my role and struggle for control. He's doing this weird little riff that he only does, I think, the second time they, they do the, like the second verse. But it's so interesting what he's doing. And I don't think he does that on the studio album. But man, I, I hope I was into this song when they were playing it because it's fantastic. Oh, yeah. We were always into this song. And I think that this is one of the songs that Getty, Alex, and Neil together really love playing yeah it shows too yeah and it shows live every time they do it it's incredible and neil's drum work on this is also off the charts can't say enough about animate and what i thought was interesting is that getty skips two lines in the chorus you know the chorus starts the song mm -hmm. he skips two of the lines the third and fourth lines of the chorus at the beginning you know i noticed that too when i was listening i'm like did he get the words wrong on this I didn't go back and double check, but I, I remember thinking that. And then on the second time around for the chorus, before the, the, you know, the chorus really comes in, he sings the, he sings the third and fourth lines and, and skips the first and second lines. So I don't know if they 
I mean, it's, it saves seconds. So I'm not exactly sure why he would do that, but you think he did it on purpose though. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Cause they would have had to keep playing the, the chorus. That's true. And he wouldn't have been singing anything. And I also think he says jester in my soul instead of sister in my soul. He did. He did. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, I went back a couple of times. I'm like, is this just me not hearing him correctly? Is he just messing around? I guess so. Right. Oh, I, I, yeah, maybe it does kind of sound like sister a little bit, but I definitely think he says jester. So that brings us to track five on this amazing disc, Jer subdivisions. incredible set list this is so far i mean I know, I we know, were right? at this show and they're up to track five and it's subdivisions i mean <laughs> well like again you could put any of their songs in any order anywhere in the set so yeah this is a this is just a great another great version of subdivisions right yeah uh, of course i'd be over the moon no matter what song they played in any order they could have pulled the songs out of a hat and played any rush song ever and i would have been thrilled even Rivendell, if in the fifth song of the set, they played Rivendell. Oh yeah. I would have loved to hear that. Sure. <laughs> you would have been like, Rivendell. I would have been like, they're playing freaking Rivendell. How cool is this? And I bet you would have been way better live than it was on the album. I'm sure it would have been. And now we're going to get a lot of emails from people saying how great that's someone's favorite song, Steve. Someone's favorite song. Of course it is. For some reason, I was keyed in on Alex's guitar on this version of Subdivisions. I don't know why, but I just tend to zone in on one of the band members when I'm listening to rush for some reason and just listen closely to that person. And I was just so impressed by the guitar work on this one too. Yeah. He's on fire tonight. What do you think about the crowd in the mix on this entire album? Is the crowd subdued at this show or did they just bring the crowd down? I was going to say that it's a pretty consistent kind of like roar. Mm-hmm. right you don't really hear individual people it's more right. just like a noise is that what you mean like it isn't it doesn't sound like a mic'd audience exactly where you would hear, hear individual people it's just like the just like a crowd all the time right but it's not as loud as it is on some of the other live albums at the end in between the two sets and at the end of the show you hear the crowd really loud yeah but during the show i feel like it's down in the mix a little bit while they're playing, like right. when they're actually playing the songs. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. More so than other live records. Yeah, I think so. But in between the songs, it's a pretty constant roar. Mm-hmm. The production on this album reminds me a little bit of different stages, more produced, less raw. That's true. But it definitely has that live kind of feel to it, obviously, because it's live. But right. I mean, there's, it definitely sounds like things were leveled out better than some other live ones right because all the live albums that we've talked about have been great every once in a while you'd hear a certain you, know, you hear the drums very prominent or you hear the bass very prominent this is a pretty even mix right right it wasn't a criticism more of an observation that's all okay there's a there's a small difference between those two steep but i'll let it slide <laughs> all right let's move on to track six it is Earthshine. So since Vapor Trails was the most recent studio album, other than Feedback, we had to get mm-hmm. a Vapor Trails song on this album. They did play other Vapor Trails songs at this show, but this is the only one, I believe, unless I'm mistaken, the only one that appears on the disc. I believe you are correct. So have they skipped a song yet? They have not skipped a song yet. Okay. I like this version better than the studio version, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing version of a song. 
Rush always made improvements live, and I think on this one, it really shows. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say it really shines. That would have been <laughs> that would have been a good pun. Earth shine. Yeah, it's 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 a great version. I mean, so far, no complaints. We're at the show, Steve. We're sitting at the show. We were in the balcony, the first balcony, I believe. Not in Frankfurt, at Radio City. At Radio City, yeah, no. <laughs> and uh, so far, it's a great show, right? Oh, absolutely. And a shout out to Richard Chicky, who uh, mixed this album, and I think he did a great job. Yeah, amazing job. Amazing job. Track seven on R30 Live is Red Barchetta. What else can we say about Red Barchetta, Joe? Go. I think this might be the best live version of this song. You know, I might agree with you. The solo, the guitar solo, sounds different than any other Red Barchetta solo we've ever heard. I think that the reason it's better is because the emotion that Getty is showing in the vocals of this song is more so than any other time I've heard them do it. Yeah, I think so. And plus at the end, he is just going ham on his bass, right? Yeah. This is a really heavy version of Red Barchetta. The heaviest yep. version I think I've ever heard. Yeah, it's. I love this version. I listened to it maybe like three times in a row. When, when I heard it the first time, because I hadn't, I hadn't seen this concert in a long time. So listening to it when I heard Red Barchetta I listened to it three times in a row because it was so good. What kind of Rush fans are we that that we haven't pulled these discs (laughs) out until a week ago? What's wrong with us? There's so much music, Steve. There's so much. I know. But there are certain listeners that are going to be thinking, what is wrong with those guys? They call themselves Rush fans? Yeah, well, (laughs) what can I say? Um, Like I said, I've said it before. I'm not a big live album person. Neither am I, but... I'm becoming one. Yeah. I mean, this is a great, this might be the version I listened to exclusively for a long time. There's so much value in listening to rush live now for me. Yeah, I agree. It's opened up a whole new world for me. It really has, which brings us to track eight on the R30 live disc. Jar. It is roll the bones. Jack, relax. know rush loved playing roll the bones live they sure did they sure did it was fun to see always i have to admit that i always wished that they made a different choice for some reason do you agree with me yep it's just not my not my favorite rush song there's so many other songs that are before this in this list i am never going to make of favorite rush songs <laughs> now don't get me wrong if i had never seen them do roll the bones i would wish that i had seen them do roll the bones Right. But since I saw them do Roll the Bones so many times, it's not one of those songs like Red Barchetta that could play every single show and I'd be thrilled. Yeah, right. It's not, it's not Tom Sawyer. I, like I've said, I could never get tired of listening to Tom Sawyer. But Roll the Bones, it's always fun, like you said, to see the, the video, especially on uh, R40 when they had guest stars coming on the video. But uh, yeah, I mean... I would like to have seen other, another song in its place. Hand over fist. How about that one? Yeah. So many different ones. Yeah. But I think for R30 and R40, it made sense for them to include this because it's an important part of their history. That's true. It is. And I think Rush felt that, and that's why they included it here. I agree. And people always loved it. So we're in the minority, I think. I really do think we're in the minority and a lot, lot, lot of fans roll the bones is at the top of their list of favorite albums. Yeah, definitely. For us, it's lower, but 
for a lot of Rush fans, it's way up there. That's right. All right, let's move on to track nine on this fantastic disc, Jar. It is The Seeker. I'm looking for me. Before we discuss The Seeker, I should point out three tracks that were played in Frankfurt in between Roll the Bones and The Seeker. Oh, let's hear them. Bravado, YYZ, and The Trees. Oh. How about that? That's a great trio of songs. (laughs) That are missing here. Right. And for my money, any one of them would have been better than the seeker i understand that but this was essentially the feedback tour i know rush wanted to include the feedback songs on this tour and they were proud of them all of the all the feedback songs that they play are great versions of the songs but you know at the time as well when we went to the show i just would prefer to hear other rush songs i mean they played uh, you know the the total time of the four songs that they play right Mm -hmm. was like 13 minutes yeah. They could have done, you know, two songs, three songs, maybe one long song. <laughs> and as we discussed on our feedback episode, I would have loved to have heard them do a different who song even than this one. Right. Cause this is kind of a simple song for rush to play in my opinion, but you know, it's a rock and tune. They do a great job with it. But again, I'm sitting in radio city music hall and watching rush. I want to hear a rush song. Yeah. But if it was the real me, I would have been, going crazy (laughs) i love that song right sure yeah there are lots of other who songs that i like better than the seeker (laughs) overall this is a solid and cool tune and rush was happy to do it and i was happy to hear it yeah sure i was there i was happy to hear it but which brings us to track 10 on the disc jer i think you know this one tom sawyer Have you heard this song before, Jer? I have heard this song a couple of times. (laughs) It's a great, solid version of Tom Sawyer. Yes, I should point out that the final song on set one was One Little Victory, which was omitted on this CD. And this opens the second set. See, now I would have liked to have heard One Little Victory in place of The Seeker on this, so... Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, like I said, I think they really wanted to highlight those feedback songs here. They really did. Yeah. And who else but Rush can play their most iconic song in the middle of a show? I mean, I know it opened the second <laughs> set. But this is Rush's satisfaction, right? And they can play it anywhere. Yeah. So Tom Sawyer, their most iconic song, arguably their most iconic song, just dropped in the middle of the set, opens the second half of the set. Most bands would save that for their last song. But Rush can play anything, anywhere, and everyone's happy. Yep. And another song I'm happy with is track 11, Jer, and it is Dreamline. Another Roll the Bones tune, Jer, and the best Roll the Bones tune, in my opinion. You? Yep, absolutely. I agree. In my mind, this is the greatest representation of that era of Rush, this song. Iconic. Yeah. I mean, an album opener, right? Always great album openers. Yep. Yep. They could have played a whole tour of just album openers, don't you think? That would have been a great show. That would have been the best. That's all they had to do. You get, well, 
the thing is you get 2112 and you get hemispheres in its entirety. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but just a, a just a, a tour of opening songs. That would have been crazy fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And this song ends disc three. They're calling this disc three on this CD DVD set. So the two DVDs are discs one and two. Oh, okay. And the first CD is disc three. And Dreamline was the last song on disc three. Okay. And at the show in Frankfurt, the next song was Secret Touch, which again is not on the disc. Right. Okay. So that is the third Vapor Trail song, and the second one they've omitted, interestingly. Yeah, that is interesting. It is. Hmm. But it brings us to disc four and track 12, if you're listening on Spotify, Jer, Between the Wheels. Getty says, we pulled it out of the vault. And I remember how excited we were that they did so. I also recall that you had somehow seen that they were going to play this song. Yep. And you told me they were going to play a song they never really play, some kind of, you know, super deep cut. Mm-hmm. And I was guessing every, <laughs> every song <laughs> in the world except for this one. I guessed so many different songs and I didn't get it right at all. This was kind of when the internet was sort of at its infancy and you could actually get set lists on the internet. And I cheated and found the set list before the show. That's right. And um, this is a great version. It's so dark. What a great tune to pull out of the vault. What I noticed is this song has a lot of bottom end, a lot more bottom end than the Grace Under Pressure version. It's just got so much meat to it. Yeah. And Alex is just killing it at the end oh i don't know what he's doing on that thing man but oof, it's an amazing version for a deep cut they could have played this every show and i would have went crazy right imagine a tour of deep cuts man how many tours could rush have done just on a different theme how about album enders this was the last song on a record they could have done <laughs> that right. too right yeah absolutely and that brings us to another album ender jar the next track on this disc is Mystic Rhythms. Jerry, this was not a concert staple. They only played this 183 times. And you remember 200 was our, our level for concert staple, right? So it's just under that. Sure. But they pulled it out a few tours, and this is an incredible version of Mystic Rhythms. It is. It absolutely is. I think the keyboards sound so clear on this song. It's just a fantastic version. Okay. So now, here's the thing that I'm puzzled by. What did you think of the segue from Mystic Rhythms into Neil's drum solo? I thought it was fine. Why? Was it? Was there something weird about it? The weird thing is that at this show, they played Red Sector A in the middle of those two. You know what? Yes. And they cut it out. I would have loved to have heard Red Sector A. <laughs> of course, but I was just impressed that the edit that they did was perfect because I couldn't tell. No, I couldn't tell either. It seemed seamless to me. These are professionals, Steve. These are like, (laughs) these people are like you, you should, (laughs) the things that you cut out of our conversations. It's amazing, Steve. You do such a great job, but it's gotta be harder with a crowd involved too, right? To cut that out and make it sound good. It's not easy. 
Yeah, no, it's not easy. So that brings us to the next track, Jer, which is the aforementioned Neil Drum solo, Der Trommler. the drummer i believe yes the title comes from a title of the drummer's tale by the brothers grim that's what i read oh you did i did like recently uh yeah you know preparing for this episode which i did and apparently you didn't (laughs) (laughs) no preparation is not my forte (laughs) and as usual neil adds so much stuff to this solo that i hadn't heard before don't you think yeah this is one of one of the best. So, I mean, we, but you know, every time we hear the, the, the live solos, we say the same thing, but this one has some very interesting things in it. Here's a question for you. Mm. How much would you pay to go back in time and see Neil perform a drum solo live one more time? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'd have, someone would have to make the offer and I'd have to see <laughs> if I could do it. Yeah. I hate to make the first offer unless somebody was going to say it was for less than I would offer. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. So let me ask you this, uh, 10 grand. Do you do it? (laughs) I would love to. Our seats better be good. (laughs) How do you explain to your wife? Yeah. Well, I emptied the bank account so I could see Neil Mm. play a drum solo one more time. (laughs) She might understand. (laughs) She might understand. But what I want to know, Steve, is what happens in this brother's grim story. I don't know. I didn't read that. I didn't prepare that much. I thought you said you read it. <laughs> no, I didn't read the story. I read that that's where it came from. Oh, see, that would be <laughs> preparation. That, see, now I don't feel so bad for not even knowing that it was a Brothers Grimm story. I thought you had read the story. I don't have the time to do these things, Cher. <laughs> I didn't even have time to pull these CDs out till last week. All right, track 15 on the R30 tour disc is Resist. You can surrender without a prayer But never really pray Pray without surrender You can fight Fight without ever winning but never ever win Win without a fight So was this the tour that Getty and Alex started performing this without Neil? Yeah. I think this is the definitive version. What I wrote down is on our vocal performance episode, I said I liked the different stages version best but right. I've absolutely changed my mind because I hadn't heard this one. Yeah. In a, in a while you haven't heard it, right? Well, I didn't remember it, I guess is what, what I'm getting at. Yeah. Especially at the end, he is emoting mm-hmm. with all the things I don't know. He, he drags out the all at mm-hmm. the end. Such a great version. So emotional. So perfect on both Getty and Alex's part. I mean, Alex's guitar work, fits Getty's vocals perfectly. And of course it does. Yeah. I mean, this is another thing I could have seen a ton of, uh, acoustic interpretations of their songs. Yeah. Which brings us to track 16 on this disc, which I had forgotten about too, Jer heart full of soul. Sick and hard and Dark despair. Think one thought only. Tell me where And she says to you She don't love me Just give her my message Tell her of my plea And I know That if she'd have me back again That I would never make her sad I've got a heart 
Now, Getty and Alex still acoustic on this, and it's amazing. It is a great version of this song, and it is a great listen. But again, <laughs> they're busting out acoustic guitars. I would love to hear them do another Rush song acoustic. I can't imagine right. which one, but right. I mean, Heartful of Soul is a, a great song, but I don't know. I don't know. I understand. I understand. But this is my favorite of the feedback songs on this record, for sure, by far. Yeah, I don't remember what my favorite was. That was a long time ago we talked about feedback. No, no. I mean on this live disc of the feedback oh, songs that are disc. presented, I like this one the best. I think I might like Crossroads better. Okay. Fair. Just because it's more jammy. Alex's guitar work on this is just spectacular. And like we said from the get-go, Getty's voice is in top form. The brats are just really working on his voice. <laughs> and Getty's playing, of course, uh, an acoustic guitar. Yeah. It's great hearing him play. I, you know, I forgot to take notice if he was playing with a pick or not. I bet you he's not playing with a pick, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. Just, just using that fingernail of his. Yeah, probably. I mean, if I played acoustic guitar as a bassist, I probably wouldn't use a pick. Mm, okay. I'd have to look closely at the DVD, which again, I didn't do my homework, Jer. Oh, I wasn't going to <laughs> knock you for that. All right. Track 17 on the disc is 2112. Again, you know, what else can we say about 2112? This is an incredible version, though. Way heavier than most I've heard, right? So heavy. So heavy. And at the end, Getty says, we are the pirates of the temples of Sirius. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Ah, we are the pirates. <laughs> what a great, I don't know if they did that every show, though. I don't remember him doing that when we saw that. I don't think so. But again, Alex's guitar sound is just so thick and meaty. It's just great. I know. I mean, this is a, this is just a fantastic version of the song. Can't get over it. And you're going to be sad to know, Jer. Oh no. What'd they skip? They skipped La Villa Strangiato and by tour in the snow dog after this. Wow. They played those two songs at this show and it's not presented here. Hmm. That is a bummer. What is presented is track 18, and that is Xanadu. And again, I loved the segue between 2112 and Xanadu, but it was faked. Didn't really happen. I know. I was <laughs> just thinking the same thing. I'm like, they did a great job of going from one song to another, but they didn't. Crazy. Did you notice the bell tolling? The sound of the bell, which sounded a little bit like Cygnus X1, and that's what I thought when I heard it. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, there was like a little bell tolling in there. I didn't notice it. Maybe my headphones weren't as good as they should be. But again, this is a spectacular version of Xanadu, and we've talked over and over again about how amazing it is that Rush could pull this off ever live, and they always seem to yeah. do it in one take, no matter when they played it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a great version. Everything sounds amazing. Uh, the solos, guitar solos, top notch. Okay, I've got another question for you. I asked on Twitter not long ago, what was the best tour to see Rush live on? When we talked about live and YYZ, I suggested perhaps that was it. Was I wrong? Could this have been it? Oh, I don't know, man. Every time I listen to a live album, <laughs> we think that this might be the best live album, right? I'm still going with seeing them moving picture-ish. Okay. Signals-ish. Grace under pressure-ish. I'd settle for seeing them again on any tour, honestly. That's right. Yep. Track 19 on this amazing live disc, Jar, is Working Man. 
brings me to a question, Joe. Why didn't Rush bring Cyril Neville up to sing this? What do you think? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to get... Every time we mention Working Man, I'm going to do that just to get Jared going. Oh, man. That would have been so funny if they just left the stage and Cyril Neville and his band came on. Oh, not his band. I was just going to have Cyril come up and sing it with Rush instead of getting And he would say, this is for you, Steve. Alex's solo on this. How great was that? Oh yeah. It's, it's a, it's, you know, they, whenever they played working man, it was, it's always great. It's always great. Cause it's so, such a jammy song. It's so like, you know, the first album really isn't proggy. This is the most proggy of the songs, right? Oh yeah. And the addition of Neil on this, I mean, yeah, the solo section is so free will like with Getty and Alex all going off at the same time. Right. And then they dip into the reggae version at the end, which <laughs> which right. is always cool. Yeah. Very cool. They're always, you know, mixing it up. So that was the end of the show itself. And then we get to the encores, Jer. Yep. And the first one is Summertime Blues. Again, with the feedback songs, your thoughts on this, Jer? Like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a solid song. But again, two feedback songs in a row on the encore. Right. If they had skipped those and played Natural Science instead, you would have been overjoyed. Yes, that's true. I don't remember my feelings at the time, but I'm pretty sure they were probably the same as they are now. Right? Oh, yeah. And uh, that brings us to the next track, which is Crossroads. A great jam. Yeah, another great song. But, you know, how many other Rush songs could they have played in its place? That's all. Well, here they could have played Natural Science to cover both of them, and I would have been happy with that. That would have been great. Oh, it would have been amazing. Yeah. But I think they make up for it, Jer, at least in your mind, with the final song on this set list, which is Limelight. Now, is this the only time we saw Rush when they ended with Limelight? I was just wondering the same thing, Steve. This would have been a great time for research us to stop recording and research it and then come back and pretend like we knew what we were talking about. But we don't like to lie to our listeners, Jerry. We are honest. That's right. We have no idea. We have no clue whatsoever. Plus, we prefer our listeners to do the work for us and find out and tell us later. <laughs> That's right. We can't sit here all day. <laughs> what are we going to do? Right? But I want to remind you, Steve, that Snakes and Arrows Live that we talked about right. had Limelight first. Yeah. Limelight was the first song. And here it's the last song. And it's just as great last as it was first. And it's just as great. What a way to end a show. What a way to end a show. What a way to begin a show. What a way to play fifth in the show. <laughs> It's crazy how these songs can be played anywhere. I mean, how many times do I have to say it? I think the best set list would be 30 songs that Rush could play anywhere in a set. <laughs> That's every song, Steve. <laughs> that is true. So when we did our set list episode, mm-hmm. remember, we realized how difficult it is to come up with an actual set list. Right. And for some reason, you know, absent the, you know, maybe the feedback ones for me, great set list again. Yeah. Who would think to end the song, the, the concert with Limelight? Rushwood. I know. But they could have picked a song out of a hat and played it last, and I would have been over the moon. 
I know. It's just, I don't know. There's just so many, they have so many great, that's what it is. That's really what it is. They have so many great songs. That's why they can play so many songs last or first or in the middle. It's the greatest hits, you know, there's never a dog. Let's put it that way. So I always ask you this unfair question after we listen to a live record, where does this rank in the Rush live album hierarchy? Well, since it's not the actual full show, which I guess I should have realized because it was only like two hours and 10 minutes or something mm. like that. And this was an evening with Rush. Right. I should have known that there was, there were songs missing. I'd have to dock it a couple of points just for that. Right. Because I think at this point they could have just put the whole show. I don't know why they didn't do the whole show. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I'm not sure. They had done full concerts before. I don't know why they couldn't have done it here. It was an unfair question because I don't think I could answer it because I really don't know anymore. We've listened to so many live albums and they're all so good. Putting them in an order, I don't know if I can do it. For me, you know, the best live albums are just sentimental reasons. No real technical reasons, just sentimental. Right, which is why most people love Exit Stage Left because it was the first live album they bought and they were kids when it came out. Right. People just love it for that reason. Agreed. Well, as we said at the beginning, I think a lot of people forgot about this Rush live album since it was only offered on the DVD box set. So I implore you either to go out and get this DVD box set if you can find it somewhere. Maybe it's still for sale. I should have checked. Another thing we should have looked into. But listen to it on Spotify. You're not going to be disappointed. I mean, it is really, really amazing. Yep, I agree. You can find us on Twitter. We are at RushFanCast. Instagram, find us at the Rushcast. Email Jerry. Let him know what you thought of our conversation about R30 Live at therushcast at gmail.com. The bass intro and outro, that's Lex. He never disappoints, Jar. Never. And you never disappoint with the quote because it's a Neil Peart quote. If it was your quote, you might disappoint. But it's <laughs> Neil's quote. You can't oh. disappoint there. That's true. That's true. Uh, let's go with something from Animate today. Oh, nice. My counterpart, my foolish heart, a man must learn to rule his tender part, a warming trend, a gentle friend. A man must build a fortress to defend. Awesome. Thanks, Jer. See you later. <laughs>